Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome, everybody, to Mary Ann Live. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, we are live, and we are alive. <laughs> the other day, it was like the first time that it hit me after a decade that my Mary Ann Live show could also read Mary Ann Live, right? I kind of like that, a little double entendre, and it just felt like, oh, there's some space there. Uh, and somehow that brings me to the topic that we're going to be with today, um, how do we move from a position when we think one way about something to getting space to reconsidering our relationship with that, like difficult people? How do we not think we know absolutely what someone is and what their reaction means and walk away and not try to dig deeper or see what else is possible? This is a topic for us today. With joining us today, Sarah Elliston. She's written a book called Lessons from a Difficult Person. This hour, we're going to be exploring this very, very prevalent issue in our culture, probably across the globe. Everybody has had to deal with someone difficult. It may be you. It could be all of the above. Difficult situations, they could be acute or chronic. Nonetheless, we don't talk about this very often, so we're really excited to be able to talk about it today on Mary and Light. Before I introduce you to Sarah, this is what we like to do at the top of every hour. We like to get presents so we can receive our guests' presents. So I would invite you to just find your breath, a little bit of body-oriented inquiry. Just come back to yourself, come back to your body finding your breath wherever it is in your body, noticing if you feel it in your chest, if your belly is rising and falling. Yeah, even the sounds of your own self, and there may be a yawn in there. Ooh, that's good. More space, more ground, coming back home. And your nervous system starts to unwind a little bit. Your shoulders may drop away from your earlobes. Just enjoying that space, that moment to yourself, that gorgeous, gorgeous moment to yourself. Letting that expand just a little bit more as we try to find next a portal of gratitude. Yeah, this is no easy thing, uh, especially under the conditions uh, that we are in in our lives today. Complex lives, lots on our plate, illness, uh, making ends meet, politics, uh, self-esteem issues. I mean, you name it, add it to the list. 
right? How do I get grateful? Whew. And yet when we do, again, space, a shift in attitude, right? So this is our practice. So here's an inquiry question that I love to use, and that is, who helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? I love that portal, right? Whether it's the electronic device you're using, the clothes you're wearing, the food in your belly, the artwork around you, you don't have to look far to find something to climb into and try on and start to feel the deep peace, the expanded awareness of being part of something bigger than yourself that's helping you. You know, even gratitude for your heart, for your breath, right? Your heart is beating you. Your breath is breathing you. What would we do without that? Not this, <laughs> right? So there you go. Go off with your... Uh, off with yourself, and uh, we're going to go down <laughs> the list of folks who uh, make this program possible that make me feel grateful uh, for you, for you, the listener. Absolutely, 11 years you've been showing up, and if you're new, you're new to the Marianne Live Live <laughs> platform. We're so glad you're here. We're grateful. Couldn't do it without you. Our folks at uh, HealthyLife.net Radio, Linda McKenzie and Jay Cruz, 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, healthy, positive talk radio is available for you when there was no such thing, and they keep bringing it. So grateful. Um, the folks, our honorary sponsor, OneWorldChildrenFund.org. If you're online, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. The National Action Organization, changing the way our culture values each other, helping make programs uh, like this available. Um, uh, yeah, in the United States and at the local level, the uh, na um, Open Secret Bookstore <laughs> in San Rafael, California, they've got the latest in meditation and revelation. And boy, do I love a bookstore. I can't even travel anywhere without wondering where the local bookstore is. You want to get in there, want to find books like Sarah Ellison's book, right? You want to have that book that's calling to you, that jumps off the shelf. Uh, we are book people. That's why we keep tuning in again and again. Me too. So on that note, I'm breathing, I'm here, I'm grateful, you're here, you're breathing, you're doing your best. If you're not grateful or more grateful, you're trying to get there. And let's talk about our guest today. We've got a very important topic, one that isn't talked about often but is so important and that affects all of us at one time or another, and it may be pressing on you right now. Sarah Ellison has written a book called Lessons from a Difficult Person, How to Deal with People Like Us is the title. And uh, Sarah is a teacher and trainer of volunteer coordinators who discovered that other people found her difficult and hard to work with. She explored the reasons she hadn't been told earlier in her life about this and developed a workshop so people wouldn't have to avoid or fire the difficult people in their lives or break up with or divorce, right? Right. Uh, her book describes this journey and suggests a number of self-guided exercises for readers to help get them in a place where they can take, talk to rather their difficult people, and we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, welcome to the program, Sarah. We are so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Yay. You know, this is one of those kind of courageous moves where I just bow down and say, whoa. Right? These are the kinds of parts of ourselves that many of us just 
uh, avoid, ignore, or it turns catastrophic, and we keep blaming other people or are, are in denial. And you turn and face the shadow, what I would call the shadow, right, mm-hmm. part of yourself, and turn it into the light and are teaching other folks. How, how did this come about for you? Well, it's a long story, but... <laughs> Essentially, when I realized I was difficult and that I had been, you know, acting in ways that people found difficult for a long time, I, I was struck with how, how come I didn't, how come nobody told me? Yeah. Uh, I was really lucky in that, um, and one of the things that um, I encourage people that I, I work with is to make sure that the relationship that you have with the person um, that you want to have a conversation with is is someone that you value. And if it's a colleague, then you have to find things that you value about that person. But sometimes it's someone that you're kind of stuck with. But I was very lucky. I, I had a boss that was relatively new in our system, and I really liked her. She was very direct. She was very creative. She really liked my teaching style and, and the way I developed trainings. So I felt very supported. And in one conversation one day, really just in passing, she said, you know, Sometimes when you do this little thing, when you get upset, it's really, really difficult for us to focus and the rest of us to focus. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, never mind. Next time you do it, I'll point it out. <laughs> Whatever that yeah, is. All right. And, and that's what I mean. You have to have someone that is willing. She was, we had a pretty good relationship, and she was a very open person herself. So, um, she didn't, I mean, I just said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I didn't take offense. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one day I was uh, having a, a little minor tantrum searching for some glasses that I had lost. They were very expensive, and uh, they were the, my very first pair of glasses. And I <laughs> I won't go through the whole ritual, but yeah. it was fascinating. What did you do? What did you do? How well, did you I was out? picking up I was picking up papers and dropping them, and opening drawers and slamming them shut. And you know how cubicles are? They have little. Yeah flippers above the shelf, and I was lifting those and dropping them, and I was muttering, and I was going out of the office and coming back into the office and out of the office and back in the office, getting really frustrated, and I was completely unaware of what I was doing. She leaned out of her office, and she said, Sarah, in here, right now. <laughs> I said, okay, what, what's up? And she said, that, what you're doing right now, that's what I was talking about the other day. And I said, what, what am I doing? Honestly. Mm. And, and she described it very concretely that, you know, you're stomping around, you're, um, you're muttering to yourself, you're making it so that the energy in the whole office, that we can't get our work done, we can't focus when you're, when you're doing that. And I had no idea that um, what I was doing was bothering anybody. I wasn't aware of what I was doing. I mean, I did it all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I just didn't think people noticed. Mm-hmm. Or if they noticed, no one had ever said mm-hmm. anything. Interesting. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Now, the difference was I was in a position of thinking, oh, my God, well, I don't want to screw up with her, and I don't mm-hmm. want to screw up with my colleagues. And um, I, just, I said, okay, I'll stop, and I went and sat down in my office and went, oh. And I started to pay more attention to how I was interacting with people, Mm -hmm. although I've always been aware Mm -hmm. of how I interact. It's just I was, (laughs) I had a a certain amount of edge probably Mm -hmm. to my assertiveness. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke my truth, as you were saying, you Mm -hmm. know, facing the demons, 
I might have done it with a certain amount of resentment. I know I did it with a certain amount of resentment. There's no might. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people who uh, didn't know me very well, they assumed that I knew what I was talking about, and they assumed that I had confidence and Mm -hmm. education, and I sounded, I could speak in in front of groups, and I was a teacher, and so if I challenged them, they felt I was challenging their authority, usually. Mm, got it. So that was part of the, the system that I worked in. The customers, my customers loved me. <laughs> the volunteer coordinators that I worked with who were outside of the organization, I don't remember getting a lot of negative feedback from them. But what I began to realize was in my relationships with people that I worked with day, day in and day out, that I I was edgy, I was difficult, mm-hmm. um, and the, I do I say this in the book. I went to visit my mother a couple of weeks later, and she was uh, in her 80s, and she was not a happy camper. My father had died about five years before that, and she didn't. She was perfectly polite and friendly with all the other people in her retirement community, but boy, with her family members, she was kind of a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was just very unhappy. And she <laughs> had this little flare-up. She was telling me about a school that had asked her for money, and she hated the school and how the people in that school had been. And she stomped her foot, and she shook her finger at me, and she stomped out of the room with this sort of rage. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Mm. That's where I learned it. Oh. You know, it was it, because part of my question was, like, how come... How come no one's ever said anything? I asked my husband about it, and he said, oh, we just get used to it. You get over it so fast, it's not worth worth worth, uh, trying to talk to you about it, I guess. His his response was to sort of watch me do whatever I was doing, having a little, um, I think people call them rants now, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's the the kind of thing that I would do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I learned it. I, I came by it honestly, but what I missed was that you didn't do it in public. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because my, my, my mom never said anything like that to the other people. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, they all thought she was she was wonderful. And, mm-hmm. I mean, she was wonderful, but she was a very unhappy person at that point. Let me ask you, Sarah, when this sort of aha, oh, let's call it an aha, just for the Yeah, time, it this really sort was. Of, oh, yeah, this awakened, like, whoa. Uh you mentioned a little bit that you wondered why nobody else had said anything. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, looking back to your family origin, you actually mention in the book how, look, it, there was a, it was kind of like a little bit scrappy, right? People, yeah. to be heard, you needed to push back, get loud, get big. So it was like a coping or a style, right? And you could see it in your mom. Yeah, I think uh, I that was my personality. My yeah. sisters didn't didn't scrap and they weren't as outspoken i am mm-hmm. my younger sister is very quiet my older sister is, is an excellent teacher but she's a more she sort of waits and fights mm-hmm. her battles mm-hmm. and i'm kind of like always oh, well what about this and what about that and i right. want this and i you know that at least i was right um and uh so it was it was tough but that was, but it was partially my personality also yeah. okay so, I, there, so there you are in this awareness space some people may have just gotten more resentful and just carried on. Other people, who knows what they chose to do, but what you chose to do was lean into, to face this, 
Say more about why. You said that it was, you know, you didn't want to disappoint, rock the boat with your, uh, your employer or that you respected her. But, but say more about across the board because this is a big deal to lean into something that could be, like we said, shadowy or, you know, maybe not so attractive about ourselves. Tell, tell us more about what made you really turn into this and actually turn it into part of your vocation now. I know. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, um, I had gotten sober about four or five years before. Um, I think that's about right. I can't remember. It was quite a while ago. But So I was being um, encouraged. I was in a 12-step program that encouraged me to kind of, like, listen <laughs> instead of talk all the time. And I would go into staff meetings and write at the top of my my uh, legal pad, you know, listen and learn, listen and learn, because I just always had something to say. And so part of it was being um, having someone that I talked to quite regularly who kept saying, yes, and you have to realize that most of the things that you believe are wrong. You know, it's part of <laughs> part of getting sober is accepting that you're not in charge of the world. So, what? As, yeah, I know. It's such a disappointment. I mean, if only Mr. Nixon would, or Mr. Trump would listen to oh, me, yeah. we would we would have it figured out. But um, I was also attending uh, a, a spiritual church, a youth thought unity, the Unity Church, which is also teaches that we are what we think, basically. Um, and so I was paying attention to my thoughts and, and uh, you know, listening to Louise Hay as I went to sleep at night. So there was a process going on. And I remember clearly when she said that, what you're doing right now, that's driving us crazy. Um, yeah, that needs to stop. I remember thinking, oh, part of the 12-step tradition that I was part of is um, when we're wrong, we promptly admit it. Mm. And I had been practicing admitting that I was wrong. Mm. Um, and, and I realized, oh, well, this is one of those places. Mm-hmm. So that was part of my willingness to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure everybody would be, I'm, I'm certain that most people would not go at, do it as quickly mm-hmm. as I did. I, I, looking back in my life, there are times that people tried to say things to me mm-hmm. that I just didn't hear because of the way they said them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, they, they <laughs> never mind. <laughs> just, yeah. I got finicky about the words. A little self-help is a, is a kind of dangerous thing. Uh, somebody would. One of my friends kept saying to me, "But you're making me feel this way. When you say that, it makes me feel this way." And and I looked at her and said, "But I'm not in charge of your feelings." Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so people do resist this and. In, in the counseling or consulting I've done with, with clients that, you know, they say, well, I have the conversation, but I know this person's going to blow up at me. They're never going to, they're going to be in denial. There's a process of having to listen to all of that. And um, I'd had a number of, I've been in therapy all my life, I think, of various times of people listening to me and pointing things out to me. I believe the woman I was talking to at that time was pointing out that um, I had leadership skills, which I didn't know. Um, and uh, she said, if my if my family had been such that, you know, someone had said, you know, if you really want to be successful with your sister, you might want to try this or this or this mm-hmm. um, to try to teach me some leadership skills. But I don't think in, you know, 1958 people weren't talking about leadership mm-hmm. skills with their children. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I remember thinking, oh, well, that would have been interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> if that had been part of our family dynamic. I'm curious um, a little bit about um, the piece that might be gender-related or not and how that's shown up for you yeah. in your life. Would you speak to that? We're going to go to break in a minute, but I'd love for you to start. Well, um, I'm sure part of it was that. For me, uh, part of the edge was noticing that I was being treated differently because I was female. And so there was hostility in my response. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought I was being assertive, of course, they thought I was being aggressive. I I think... yeah, I think, uh, and that's part. Partially, it's their problem, yeah. and partially, it was mine. Yeah, and so here we go, changing that perspective, holding the paradox, as my teacher would say. We're going to go to break. We're going to be back right after these messages. More with Sarah Elliston when we return. Lessons from a difficult person. Boy, do we need these. Get your pad and paper, and we'll be right back after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce yet? We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off, and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries, for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights, and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad you're with us today. I really especially love having dialogue 
uh, that's potentially transformative, discussing issues that many of us feel and we can't always name or we're too frightened to do anything about, right? This is what we're doing today with Sarah Elliston. She's written a book, sticking her finger right in something that many of us are dealing with on a regular basis, how to deal with difficult people. Well, the brilliance in this book, uh, the, the, you know, part of the brilliance is, is that, Sarah, you have taken it on in yourself. You're not pointing the finger. You're saying, I was that person. And from the inside out, which I just love this kind of mentoring, it's like I've been there. I know what it's like for me. I don't know what it's like for everybody, but this led you into the conversation. And so really taking responsibility is a tenet for, um, I think, being a person on a path, right, really having a practice, which you've mentioned. That's another part of this. But the other piece of this, and that's huge, by the way, because most of us that are difficult I, I have a difficult part of myself. I have a name for my difficult part, by the way. And anybody close to me will say, uh, excuse me, that name. You know, I, I mean, I, seriously. And it helps me snap out of it. And then I'll laugh or just take a moment and take a breath. You know, we get triggered. We have parts of us that are, de- that are defensive, that are defending something important sometimes, but perhaps aren't maybe the most sophisticated or um, useful or effective way to be in relationship, which we want to talk about for the rest of the show. So that is a paradox, like we said before we were going to break. The paradox of being able to see something in yourself, feeling it arise, and knowing you need to do something about it, holding the tension of that feeling but making another choice. That's a paradox. And then we're going to start to make the turn now, Sarah, and talk about how do we recognize when it's appropriate to approach another person? How to get the courage to do that? What is the benefit? You know, how do we sort through this conversation? So let's move, let's shift away from taking responsibility for seeing your own difficult personness and finding a practice and trying to quit to now dealing with another person. Where do we start? A difficult well, person. Well, the first, the first thing to do is to, uh, recognize that you're uh, having an emotional reaction um, and that, that you're uh, really the first thing is to stop reacting. <laughs> oh. sort of like, you know, like if that person says that one more time or if they do that one more time or if I find out, you know, they assign the work to her and then she doesn't do it and I get screwed or I look bad, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm and and so the first thing is to sort of take a deep breath as as you started the show. The same way sort of stop reacting, hold on. Um and listen to some of the things that I learned about myself and I think are true about other difficult people and that is none of what they're doing is deliberate to they don't wake up in the morning and try to figure out how to make your life difficult. <laughs> yeah. They it's a habit. Right. They're they're doing something that they've always done, and it's you know it's worked so far. In in as much as it's working, they're probably not very happy, mm-hmm. um, or they may appear to be happy. Uh, but I can I can guarantee that if they're having difficulty in relationships, they're not connecting. And all of us need to have a mm-hmm. solid intimate connection mm-hmm. and and a, a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And when you're part of a team or a family and you feel like people avoid you or they treat you a certain way, you, you may not know 
what's wrong. You just know it's not what you right. want. Right. So, um, so, so there's that going on. Yeah, so step there, one, observe, pause, and reassess. Right. Maybe, you know, notice you're having the reaction, but go, wait a minute. This isn't probably about me. Something's going on, and this yes. person's probably struggling. Okay, step one. Oh, and or, and if it's your boss and you, they don't look like they're struggling, right. they, they don't know they're doing it. They're okay. not aware of what they're doing. Yeah. And, and then to say, okay, what exactly is it that they're doing? You know, can you describe the behavior, you know, as if you were a dragnet? That's what people have called it in my workshops. It's kind of like what words are yeah. said what actions are taken, not the tone, not the implication, not all the motivations that we ascribe to behavior. Yes. And that's huge. It's, yes. You know, to stop and uh, there's an exercise in the book with a long list of all those negative words, and I invite people to try and look at the same behavior, like manipulation, for example. Okay, how would you describe someone that you think is manipulative? How could you describe what they're doing with a positive motivation, because when we think we're being manipulated, we, we don't like it, so we're negative about it. But, well, someone who's manipulative usually knows how to get what they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, but it's a different way of looking at it. You can right. say, well, we know what they want. They know what they want. Um, so part of it is that the person doesn't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and they're usually not aware of how they're perceived. I was mm -hmm. never aware that people perceived me as challenging or, or trying to take their power or something. I just was breathing. Mm -hmm. And um, as, when I really stood back and assessed it and I got some really good feedback from various people, I mean, I inherited a genetic quality, mm -hmm. so I sound confident. Mm -hmm. I was taught to speak well. I have an education. I have mm -hmm. a certain amount of, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, yes. and, and all three of us are, are teachers, you know, so the part of this is genetic in that mm -hmm. way. So that, it's, it's, so I was not aware that people would, would be threatened by me or feel in any I was just like the person sitting next to me mm -hmm. as far as I was concerned mm -hmm. so uh, I'm not sure our difficult people are are aware of how they're perceived mm -hmm. this is just sort of information right. for part of that right. uh, before you before you really decide to have before the conversation. Have, yeah, before you launch into a plan. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just think about it. They, they don't know their behavior, they don't know how they're perceived, they're probably not aware of their impact and part of having a conversation is being able to describe the behavior without all the drama and without the judgment mm -hmm. and identify an impact. My boss said to me, we can't get our work done because mm -hmm. there's too much negative energy floating around in here. And I remember thinking, that's the first time I'd ever heard anyone talk about energy as, mm -hmm. as something in an office. Yeah, that could float around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, and, uh, but I, I understood what she meant. And... Mm -hmm. So if you can be concrete that way, then uh, then you're going to be able to have a more successful conversation. Mm -hmm. so, and if you can't be, mm -hmm. then there's a possibility that you just want them to be different because you want them to be different, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a whole other – There's a, one of the major uh, elements or pieces of the book is to say, wait a minute, make sure you you really have an impact and yeah. a consequence. Yeah, yeah. So if the, if the – like – 
my boss didn't tell me that she was going to fire me if I didn't stop doing what I was doing, but it was an implication because it was a job-related mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's a relationship or a friendship, mm-hmm. or the, yeah. there's an implied consequence That's if right. you don't change. Right. So we want to really think this through, right? Yeah. What our reaction is, what's going on with the other person, and what the impact actually is specifically. When we get back after the break, we're going to talk about having a plan of action, uh, right here, right now, on Marion Live with Sarah Elliston. Um, lessons from a difficult person herself. She's quit. She is a reformed difficult person <laughs> with a toolkit uh, going to help us get through to those difficult people in our lives, even if they are ourselves. Back in just a minute, more when we, when we return. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. Shh. Over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 in car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. So this is a topic that's not just a topic. This is part of our lives. I don't know anybody I've talked to in my lifetime who isn't challenged on a regular basis by either their own difficulty, their own what I call the high-maintenance part of themselves, their own bossy know-it-all. You know, we've got lots of names for this character or archetype that shows up. My teacher would say, it's not all of you, but when it becomes a prevalent part, it can do some destruction or potential damage to an array of relationships. Today we're talking with Sarah Elliston about what damage it can do in the workplace and uh, and beyond. Uh, when we are with a difficult person or are a difficult person, this is some touchy ground. Now, we're just making our way through how do you identify it, 
and uh, what uh, step one, you know, when you notice somebody's difficult, you want to just pause, notice you're having a reaction, uh, and maybe not react. Just say, wait a minute, what's actually going on? Getting clear on that the other person probably doesn't know what they're doing. We don't know yet. They probably aren't doing it personally to you. And then B, really checking in what is the collateral damage or the potential damage here so we can name it so we're not just being, you know what, I don't like your attitude or you need to change to, to, you know, complete me or make me comfortable. So assuming those two things are in check, Sarah, there we are with this person. We sometimes may or may not want to approach them directly because, oh, my goodness, you know, look at with the world of road rage and people showing up in, in classrooms with guns. And, you know, we don't want to upset people. A lot of us are frightened. We might have old traumas or stories. You know, we want to be careful about how we approach some of us more than others. From there, tell us how we might decide how to move forward towards uh, dialoguing with this person. Well, there are two thoughts. My first one is I, I recently um, heard the quotation that Abraham Lincoln said, I do not like this man. I must get to know him. <laughs> wow. Which is the kind of contradiction that we're talking about or yes. paradox, if you will. Yes. Um, and so if you're really afraid of the rage and you think someone's going to come back into your classroom with a gun or something, then maybe what you want to do is try to make friends with this person. Just yeah. completely... Allow yourself to no longer uh, see them from a negative perspective. Um, and and there's, there's a series of exercises in my book that I invite people to go through. And I think one of the critical ones is identifying whether this uh, impact or behavior really is any of your business. And uh, Byron Katie, who's created something called The Work. And Love it. She, yeah. She's just become, anyway, her book is called Loving What Is, so if you're mm -hmm. listening to this, you can go find her. Um, she, she has three con a concept about whose business are you in, and, mm -hmm. and uh, there's, there's my business, which is everything about me, there's your business, which mm -hmm. is everything about you, and then there's everything else is God's business. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a simple concept. It yeah. is so difficult. Yeah, I love that chapter, with. chapter seven. Love that chapter. Well, part of the issue is, uh, I, and I, I have one friend who's called me two or three times, and she's having conflicts with her husband, but they're her conflicts. That he, He's doing exactly the same thing that he's always done. It's never been a problem. She's just gotten tired of it. It's really not her business to tell him to change unless, you know, it's becoming such a problem that uh, – She's thinking of, you know, making some drastic changes. She said, oh, no, I just wish he'd stop. And I say, mm. when you're in that place, you're really in their business. Mm -hmm. And it's time to take a deep breath and start looking at all the things that you love about him. Mm -hmm. Beautiful uh, advice. Beautiful but, advice. And it's hard. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> really I hard. When, when we're really close to someone and when it's a family member, um, I, I had children of one client who just told their mother that they wouldn't go to the, the family events, the Christmas Thanksgiving parties, because mm -hmm. the, 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 one of the relatives was so abusive. They mm -hmm. felt she was abusive. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when my client actually spoke to the family member, she got a lot of denial. 
and that she was able to be concrete and specific and say, well, this is what you say, and this is the way my daughter feels that you are kind of being disrespectful. And, again, the, the family member was very uh, in denial, kind of like, oh, well, your kids are too spoiled and this and that. Luckily, my client's husband was kind of in her corner, and he finally stepped in um, a second or, you know, they had to have a number of conversations, mm -hmm. but and it didn't come to the, the violence that you described. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, anyway. Yeah, and it depends on what the relationship is. That's what I'm hearing you say. And, yeah. and, and where, really, where, where is the potential damage here? If you can name the damage, like really what's happening here, right. that you, you're treating me this way, here's how it's affecting. Like, let me, right. let me give an example of how my, my... Well, can I interrupt yeah, you? Yeah, sure, it's sure. not you're treating me. It's how I'm responding that's to what right. you're doing. Okay, there and, you and go. That, so that's, that's a, a very important point because the world just gives us information. How we respond to it that's right. is our choice. That's right. And so that's a wonderful phrase. You're treating me badly. You're treating me with disrespect. You're treat that. All that's going to do is fan the fire. Yeah, I yeah mean, you're right. Anyone so you were going to give me an example. Well, I was actually, what I'm trying to get to is, then there is, I want to be in this relationship. Yeah. And for this relationship to flow and meet both of our needs, there might be some uh, conversation we need to have. I yeah. notice something's triggering me. So, so then um, to say, uh, when, when you do this, um, it, it triggers me or it reminds me of something. Mm -hmm. Do you know that you're doing it? Mm -hmm. Are you aware? So all the way through the conversation, you're inviting your difficult person to think, not just emotionally react, mm -hmm. but also giving them the choice. You're saying, you're being bad. You're saying, you're doing this. It's mm -hmm. having this kind of a, this is the damage or this mm -hmm. is how it, it it keeps coming at me this way. Mm -hmm. I don't think you intended that way, do you? Yeah. You know, is, yeah. Is, is that your intention? Exactly. I can give you a great, really quick physical example. When I, when my son was really young, my mom used to do this to me when we were in the car. My mom would be driving, and if we came to a stop, she'd throw her arm in front of me. Mm -hmm. We didn't have seatbelts, okay? Well, I did it to my son. I did, too. And now I do it to my husband, okay? Oh. Like, I don't know I'm doing it. So one day, now this is not, it's a physical difficulty, but it really triggered him. And finally one day, he said to me, please stop doing that. And I said, stop doing what? I literally didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't see my arm go, and he said, you keep putting your arm out in front of me. And I said, God, I didn't even know that. This sort of illustrates in a physical way what you're talking about. But as soon as he said it, all of a sudden, I couldn't stop seeing myself do it, not just to him, but anybody in the seat. And then I thought, huh, I wonder how that's affecting them. But the thing that I love that my husband did was, did exactly what you said, do you know you're doing this? And I don't want that. He didn't make me wrong. He just said, I don't want that. And I said, well, I'm going to do my best to work on it. And part of it for me was having him not leave the relationship or make me wrong, he just pointed it out, said he, what he wanted, and then I've done my best. And now I'll laugh because I'll like, like, the, like if you're at the baseball mound, the strike zone, I'm trying to hold back in, not, not throwing that arm out there. Okay, when we get back after the break uh, for our final 
right here on Marion Live with Sarah Elliston. We're going to be talking about lessons from a difficult person and how to take it through to the other side, right? Now we're working on the plan and how do we really bring a change in the relationship when we return right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlive.com core certification learning tools to attract build and sustain great relationships also sign up for marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the northern california area www.marianlive.com What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, everybody. And, you know, let's don't climb over the obvious, okay? Dealing with difficult people, lessons from a difficult person, we got that all over politics right now, okay? That is at the rooftops. Difficult people, no matter which side of the fence you are on or what's going on, Republicans think Democrats are difficult, vice versa, whoever you voted for, it doesn't matter. This is an issue that is so prevalent right now, whether it's in your backyard, at the political front, doesn't matter. We need these skills. We need to be able to reassess, look at this from a different perspective, and try to create some kind of solution, which is what Sarah Elliston is here to help us do. All right, Sarah, so... Let's say we've got our skill set, we know the game we're in, we know maybe, you know, the, the potential damage this person's going to do. We've decided to approach them. We make the approach, right? We do so carefully because uh, we, yeah. We, yeah, let's talk about well, the caring well, part. I, I was just working on an article for a publication about, you know, doing this in an office environment, and it's, you ask for a meeting of half an hour, you know, just need, and, and make sure you've got privacy. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not like you're going to confront somebody in, in front of other people. Yeah. 
And following the conversation that we've said, it's, it's like, um, are you are you aware that you do this? Yeah. When you do this, it has this impact on me or others, mm-hmm. or uh, this is this is what mm-hmm. seems to occur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a beginning teacher, you know, when you say to a, a new teacher, you know, when you raise your voice. It appears that the children are quieting down, but in fact, they're getting scared. Mm. So so even though it looks like it's working, honestly, my experience tells me there are other ways we need to... Are you aware that you raise your voice when you're getting angry with them? That kind of thing. Asking questions. Um, right. And are you aware? Is this what... Do you understand that this is the impact, and is that what you want? Now, if the person says... I don't give a hoot and a holler what impact it has. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and it just do your job and deal with it. You know, this is your problem, not mine. You have a choice. You can say, okay, um, and, and go inside and figure out how you want to work with this person or be with this person. Um, if you have information that, that argues that, that it's, it's – that, what they're doing that contradicts, thank you, yeah. what they're saying. I say, this is the way you've always done it. We're going to keep doing it. This is just the way I am. Get over it. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, you know what? It really isn't helping. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, it is, if mm-hmm. it's customers or family mm-hmm. members or other people, you know, this is a serious thing. Or if it's a recovery issue, mm-hmm. you know, if you say you're not addicted, but look at what I see mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And it really, there mm-hmm. is, you, so... You can keep bringing it up to them to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the goal is to be able to listen to their denial, listen to their arguments, and um, and and really what I what Byron Katie calls literally listen, which is not to say anything. Mm-hmm. Let them rant. Mm-hmm. Let them talk, uh, or allow them, and be accepting of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As well as if you can, if it's an emotional reaction. You can you can identify mm-hmm. that for them. It sounds like you're feeling picked mm-hmm. on, or you're mm-hmm. feeling attacked, or you think I don't like you, or because part of the message also is this not this is not personal. Yeah. This yep. is this is me wanting a better relationship with you. Yeah. Yep. Part of the message is, and I call it being in your corner in my book. But part of the message is, I care about you, yeah. and I want to keep working for you, working with you, yeah. being your friend, whatever. And I can't. I, I'm, I'm struggling here. Right, right. I, I've really looked to see how much of this is me, and, right. and how much of it is what you're doing. Yeah, and this so there's a negotiation yeah. process. Perfect word. Uh, and this in relationship is important to me for X reasons. One of the other things I love at the end of your book that you do, and don't worry, everybody, there are statement preps in there. You can rehearse this. Actually, right. Sarah, you encourage us to rehearse. Really important conversations, and I would even take it a step further, and you had mentioned this, practice. Practice with somebody else, you know, like we're doing. Take through the scenario, the possible outcomes, have an out clause, set yourself up to succeed here. Right? You don't have to just yeah. jump in cold and because well, you have the impulse. I, I do. Uh, I lead workshops where we actually practice the conversation. Yeah. So that, and uh, they, the first time they practice, the person who is, the, the class member who has a difficult person is the difficult person, and their partner does the negotiation with them, so they get to respond the way they believe that person will. Um, there was one thing I wanted to talk about, and that is in terms of, of 
coming to a sense of acceptance about the other person, yes. whatever their response is. Um, Dr. William Glasser says that we're driven, all of our behavior is driven to meet the need for love, fun, freedom, power, and survival. Mm-hmm. Everything we do, all of our thoughts, our actions, our feeling, our physiology, is trying to get those needs met uh, in a way we think will work. And every, for everybody, it's different what they think will, will, will meet the needs, but the needs are all the same. So when there's somebody who is acting very strange or you, they, you know, our culture gives them names and labels them, you can bet their, their belonging need, their need to feel connected is not being met because that's what causes problems in the rest of our lives. But they may not be having any fun. They may not feel that there's any uh, achievement or power in their lives. They may not be physically fit so they feel unhealthy, uh, and it's, it helps me when people will always say to me, well, why do you think people are difficult? And I say, well, why do people breathe? You know, it's, it, it, we're, we're always acting to meet, get our needs met. So, so obviously. Yeah, I'm writing these down myself. Uh, could you say yeah. them again? Because I think it's yeah. critical. Well, these are. We're always trying to get these needs met when they are. Love and belonging. We need to feel a strong connection. Mm. Fun, mm-hmm. and Dr. Glasser suggests that fun usually involves some kind of learning, mm. but whatever mm. you think is fun. Um, freedom, a sense of I'm getting to choose, mm. and I'm not being pushed in one direction. A sense of power and achievement, that people notice my uniqueness. Ah, brilliant. And survival, physical health. Oh, and these, these are, are genetic instructions. They come with our brain the same way that genes for mm-hmm. our eye color and hair come. Mm-hmm. But what we and and from day one, we're trying to get them met. Yeah. You know, we cry because we're wet or we're hungry, yeah. or we need to be held or whatever. Um, and that's because we need you know babies that don't get held and loved do not thrive. That's right. And adults who do not get their needs met: fun, survival, love, belonging, connection, freedom, and some some power and achievement. Uh, same story. We are at the top of the hour, folks. Whoa. We are really blessed to have this information. Uh, I can see a lot of people right now scurrying around like, oh, my God, I finally have a plan. I finally have support. Okay. You can get a copy of Sarah's book, sarahelliston.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-E-L-L-I-S-T-O-N.com. Sarah, what do you want to leave us with? Um. Well, I recently bumped into a woman named Jill Lublin who wrote something called The Prophet of Kindness. We need to be kind to each other. Mm. And, and that's my message, too. It's, just, it's okay to be nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> be kind to each other, Sarah. Yeah. What, a, what a pleasure Stop to have you. Stop reacting and be kind. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Pause. Hit that pause button. Thanks for joining mm-hmm. us, Sarah. Please come back anytime. We'd love to have you back. I'm Marion Live. Marion Live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a thought about that. Yeah. Marion Live show? Yeah. Marion Lives. How? Oh, nice. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that, everybody. Thanks to Sarah Elliston for being here. Pick up a copy, Lessons from a Difficult Person. We're going to be back for our wrap right after these messages.
everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lied and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself the gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Oh, thanks, everybody, for being here. I am a difficult person. I have that part in me. Uh, I'm also afraid of approaching other difficult people, no doubt. If you relate to any of those things, you have been in the right place today or can re-listen to this broadcast. Go to MarianneLive.com for more information or check out Sarah Ellison's new book um, that she just shared with us today, Lessons from a Difficult Person. And Sarah's also doing workshops, and so am I. Check us out, MarianneLive.com. Next week, same time, same place. Um, we are going to keep you in suspense sign up for our newsletter and find out in the meantime uh, we wish you every blessing go do something good for somebody today don't let them know you did it that's the third part of your practice uh, and we wish you every blessing until then see you next time